the Sunday Sermons Podcast. I, I know I'm not the only person that many times in my life, um, this, this moment in time included, there, there are moments where you know God is leading, you know God is taking you somewhere, you know there, but you can't really see the path there. I love how Chris Renzema takes us right into that moment in the lyrics of this song where Israel is about to cross the Red Sea. He says, like Israel on the shore, all I see are crashing waves. Can you imagine what it must have actually felt like to them? To They've been told they're freed from slavery and there's a promised land on the other side. But right then, right there in the moment, there's just all the chaos of these millions of people and animals. And behind them, they can hear the armies of Egypt coming up behind them to either kill them or recapture them. And as far as they can see on the other side of the Red Sea, there's just wilderness. They can't see the promised land from where they're at. And right in front of them, they can see the Red Sea, no pun intended, they're right, and yet they're having to trust God. And we look back, and we go, oh, yeah, we'll see. You know, have a little faith, Israel. Come on. God's, gonna, God, God's the God who can part the Red Sea. Come on. Well, we know that because we've read about it. Like Israel on the shore, all I see are crashing waves. But like Israel on the shore, it's through the wild you make a way. I will go where you go. I will stay where you stay. And then this, this thing we just sang over and over, this is, this is such a big, big thing to be able to say from your soul. I don't want to go if you're not going before me. See, most of our lives, and especially at the beginning, as we start to follow Jesus, we do want to follow Jesus. We want to follow Jesus more than we want to do the alternatives. But let's be honest, we still want to do the alternatives too, Right? And we go, okay, Jesus, I trust you that this is wrong, so I'm going to reject it and go over here. But I really wish it was okay with you because I still like that. You know what I'm talking about? But this is a prayer that as you go, as you're transformed, as you make choice after choice, and God comes through at the last minute time and time again, eventually you get to the point where you can actually say, you know what, I don't even want to go anywhere else except you. Like when Jesus asked Peter and the rest of the disciples, so are you going to leave me too? And Peter said, Lord, to whom would we go? I don't even want to find out any alternatives. I don't get it. It's hard, but I'm going to follow you. And if that's the cry of your heart, you're going to end up somewhere amazing. Are you hearing me? This message is a message of hope today, and I hope that comes through very clearly. Um, We're continuing a series called Peak. We're looking for not only God's ultimate goals for us as a church, but what's the next step and the next step after that that he wants us to take to get there. We've spent the last several weeks, we've talked about starting over and how God not only gives us moments where we can really start over, like when we first give our lives to him, but when we fail, we get more chances to start over because he wants us to stay in the game. And even more, last week we talked about how God's dream is not just that we keep starting over, but that we actually change. And he makes it possible for us to be transformed. On the other side of our Mount Sinai moments, our deep encounters with God, we come out the other side with a mission. We come out the other side with a team. We come out the other side different than we were before. And that gives us hope. 
And so today we go to Mount Nebo, and we're going to talk about playing our parts well. See, every one of you, every one of you has a part to play. All you guys listening online too. Every single one of us has a part to play, and God wants us to play it effectively, and he wants us to play it relentlessly, and he wants us to keep on playing that part till he says stop. Not till it gets hard, not till somebody else tells us to stop, not till we feel like it, till he says stop. Are you with me to make one more journey up a mountain this morning? Yeah. Praise God, let's go. Mount Nebo, the mountain, Mount Nebo, overlooks the Jordan River and Jericho. Uh, it'd be a good place to see all the terrible stuff going on right now. I promise you I didn't plan this sermon for that timing. I hope you're praying for everybody involved in that whole situation, our missionaries and just the, the tragedies on both sides and the, the, that whole thing is just so painful. But Nebo overlooks all of it. For, on a clear day, you can see not only the Jordan River and Jericho right on the other side, you can see all the way to Jerusalem. And I think that that's absolutely God's intent when he let Moses get a glimpse of that at the end of his life. This is why I said, I keep saying it's hope. Here's where we start. First time you see Mount Nebo mentioned in scripture is Numbers chapter 27. And you probably know this, but Genesis tells the story from creation up until Joseph and the roughly 70 people of Israel who existed at that time end up in the most beautiful part of uh, Egypt. And they're actually heroes at this moment. 400 years go by and that's when the story of Exodus starts. And the books Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy all tell the same story. They tell different aspects of it. They kind of overlap and crisscross. But all of those tell the story from Moses up until Joshua. Are you tracking me on this? So we're going to jump back and forth. We're mostly going to be in Numbers today. But they kind of tell the same stories and overlap and give us different parts of the law and different parts of what happened here and there. So we're going to start, and as you're just flipping through your Bible, the first time you see anything about Nebo, it's not even named, it's just the mountain range is named, but you'll see in a second it is, that is Nebo. But here it is, you're just flipping through, you come to Numbers 27, verse 12. The Lord said to Moses, go up into this mountain of Abarim, this mountain of the Abarim range, and see the land that I have given to the people of Israel. And when you have seen it, you also shall be gathered to your people as your brother Aaron was. Which is a really kind way to say you're going to die. Because you rebelled against my word in the wilderness of Zin when the congregation quarreled, failing to uphold me as holy at the waters before their eyes. These are the waters of Meribah Kadesh in the wilderness of Zin. Now... I hope we don't make one of the most common mistakes that Christians have made over the centuries this morning. And that's to take one paragraph out of the Bible and make up your whole theology out of that and try to cram the rest of the Bible into that one paragraph. Because if this is all we knew about Moses and God and how people interact with God, God seems really petty here, doesn't he? You, you, were, you did a good job. You did all these great things. But that one time you messed up, you're out. You don't get to lead the people in Israel. 
I'm going to kill you off at the top of a mountain. If that's all of the story that we had, that's what it would look like. But I promise you, that's not what we're going to see today. The view from Mount Nebo is so much better than that. Because here's the truth we see in the whole scriptures. God does hate sin. God does demand justice. But his grace and his love are way bigger. His grace and his love are what tells the story. God's grace and his love is what actually guides the whole thing. And that includes Moses' story. It includes your story. If you are a child of God, he's not going to let your failures mess up his big old plans for you or especially for his whole church. If you're a child of God, he's not going to let your failures define you for the rest of your life. If you repent and you come back to him, he's going to give you another chance and he's going to keep using you. Did everybody just hear me on that? We've got to embrace this. And this is what we see in this story. Because as they're going through, Moses did so many great things. He actually struck a rock and got water out of it twice. The first time was back in Exodus 17. And that time God actually told him to hit the rock and he did. And water gets out. And everything was cool. Moses was a hero. God was a hero. Everything was great. But then the story continues. Well, let's just do a quick fast forward through it. I want you to see how God worked through Moses and forgave people over and over and over again. Let's go to Numbers chapter 12. You see Miriam, his older sister. uh, Moses wouldn't have even lived to a ripe old age. It wasn't for her helping to save him at the beginning of the story. Wonderful woman. But she messes up and God judges her. But she repents and he forgives her. She stays one of the leaders of Israel right alongside Moses and Aaron for the rest of the story. So there's one restoration. They get to the edge of Canaan the first time and it didn't take them that long considering there were like millions of them, people and animals and it was a crazy thing. It didn't take them that long to get there the first time. And God tells Moses, and I encourage you to go back, read it in Numbers 13. Actually read the actual chapter. But God tells him to go send some spies in, but it's not to see what they're up against and how hard it's going to be. It's to give them some hope. But Moses kind of embellishes God's message to those spies and they kind of twist it even more and it ends up just depressing everybody so much they don't want to go into Canaan. So they have to wander around for 40 more years. But is that the end of the story? No, that's a terrible story. Can you imagine spending four decades waiting on that punishment to end up? That's just horrific. But it's not the end of the story. At the end, even in the middle of that, you have more and more rebellions. Korah's rebellion is one of the biggest ones. But toward the end of that 40 years, God reinstates Aaron, makes it really clear that Aaron and his descendants are going to be the priests. And he gives them some more laws that are about purification and restoration. If you were sick or if you had sinned, here's how you can get right with God and right with his people again. You can get back into regular worship again. And overall, it's a message of hope. Are we tracking so far? That isn't even the end of the story, but this is where we're going. Now we come up to Numbers 20, and it starts like this. And the people of Israel, the whole congregation, came into the wilderness of Zin in the first month, and the people stayed in Kadesh, and Miriam died there and was buried there. Now, if you remember, Miriam was his older sister. Moses is almost 120 at this point. 
God's not judging her. She's just done. It's her time. But how many know that Moses and Aaron are hurting at this point? Let's try this again. How many know that Moses and Aaron are hurting at this point? Yes, it hurts. Let me tell you a little secret about people in leadership. We're people just like you. And it hurts. When somebody we love dies, we grieve just like you do. When somebody hurts us, or betrays us, or leaves us, when we try our best to do something and it doesn't look like it's working as well as we think it should work, it hurts just like it hurts you. I'm bearing my heart to you. I'm telling you, this is me and every other. This is Moses. This is Aaron. This is everybody. This is, it, it's, we're just people too. God's still teaching us too. And I guarantee you, this was not their best moment. They're grieving their sister, Diane. And then watch what happens next. Next verse. Now there was no water for the congregation and they assembled themselves together against Moses and Aaron. This time, this rebellion is very personal. One more time after all this time. And now they're right back. They're right at the edge of Canaan. They've got, they've spent all the time. They did all the, they did the time. You know what I'm talking about? And they get right up to the edge and here it comes and they rebel again. Of course they're mad. Of course they're upset. Of course they're frustrated. Why am I wasting my time? That's what I think Moses and Aaron must have been feeling. Don't you? But God tells him this time, he said, listen, I want you to go to the rock. And this time I just want you to speak to it. I want them to know that it's me that's providing for them. I want to remind them one more time. You don't have to worry what's on the other side in Canaan. I got you. It's me on your side. Well, watch what happens. Then Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock. And he said to them, here now, you rebels, shall we bring water for you out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand and struck the rock with his staff twice. Twice. You know why? He's mad. (laughs) And water came out abundantly and the congregation drank. And their livestock. See, God, even in Moses' weakness, even in that moment where he disobeyed him, God still cares about the rest of his people. And sometimes God's going to have to work around leaders, doesn't he? Sometimes when leaders fail, God's going to have to keep his plans going regardless, not through them. But he's going to do that. And that's what this story tells here. But he tells them right in that moment, he goes, you know what? I'm not okay with that. That's not okay, Moses and Aaron. But is that the end of the story? This is an easy question. This is a yes or no question. Is that the end of the story? No, it's not the end of the story. And here's, again, we're heading to Mount Nebo, but watch all the awesome stuff that happens on the way there. Because Moses kept playing his part. And he played it effectively. In fact, he got better at it as he went after this moment of failure. He, he was more effective in the next part, all right? And he played it relentlessly until God said, stop. And that's what we're called to do. See, in chapter 21, there's several more battles. Moses is leading. 
keeping everything going. Aaron's doing all the temple stuff. Joshua's out there being the military commander, which was going to be his job all along. That's what he always did in all those years and what he was going to do when they took over Canaan. That was part of the original plan. They win all the battles and then Israel rebels again. And that's the one, that's the crazy one with the snakes. Anybody ever heard that story with the snakes? God sends these serpents and then he tells Moses, make a bronze snake and put it on a stick and hold it up. And if anybody will look at that snake, I'll heal them. Which sounds crazy, doesn't it? That just sounds nuts. And sounds nuts to a bunch of other people and they died. But the people said, hey, it's worth a try. And they'd look at that snake, they're better. Because it was all about, are you going to put your trust in me or not? Are you going to trust me or not? You don't have to understand it. You don't have to, it doesn't have to make sense. Are you going to trust God or not? And that happened here. This is after that moment. Are you following me? And so does everything else. We're going to go pretty quickly here. The story of Balaam. It has that talking donkey and that's this cool story. That happens. Uh, There's the story of Phinehas, who's this huge hero. He's actually the grandson of Aaron who got reinstated, who's still leading Israel at this point. And his grandson is actually a big hero against this whole idolatrous moment. And they get to the edge of Canaan all the way. And this time Moses takes a census, not because he doesn't have enough faith, but because he just wants to make sure that everybody who needed to die out is dead. I'm serious. Read it. And he gets there and he's like, I think we're ready to go. And there's all this hope and all this stuff. And this is a long time after that mistake because God kept using him. And he was still effective and he was still relentless and he kept going until God said, stop. Are you getting it? So the last chapter, 27, that we, where is actually where we started. And that one's actually about them establishing some more fair laws and also the transition of handing off the power to Joshua. And that's the context where God tells Moses to go up and he gets to die on Mount Nebo. But as an extra bonus... He gets to at least see the land. You get a preview. You get to watch the trailer before anybody else gets to see it. You get to see not just across the Jordan River and Jericho, you get to see all the way to Jerusalem. And let me tell you, Moses, there's going to be some crazy stuff go down in Jerusalem. It's King David, this is centuries before that. Many centuries before Jesus Christ. And most of the really, really important stuff that changed everything for the whole world and for all eternity happened in and around Jerusalem. Moses got to see that from Mount Nebo. See the hope? See, God's plans are always bigger. They're always greater. They're always better than our perspective of them. You can just hang your hat on that, brothers and sisters. That's how it is. Even if you think God's doing a great job, even if you're giving God five stars today and you love everything that's happening and everything is just exactly how you pictured it and exactly how you want it, I guarantee you God's plans are better. And if you're like most of us where you're somewhere between that and really not even sure you want to follow God anymore, you're somewhere on a sliding scale of, I don't get this plan at all. Guess what? His plans are still always going to be bigger and better than our perspective on them. 
is always going to be true. And Moses' last few days were wonderful. We're going to skip over to Deuteronomy here for a little bit. And his last few days were great. And they were at the same time. It was Joshua's first few days as a leader. After 40 years of faithfully serving as Moses' assistant, suddenly Joshua gets his chance to be the leader God had designed him to be. All of this is happening at the same time. It wasn't a hard thing. It wasn't this moment. Is Moses getting judged? Yes. Is that what this whole story is about? Absolutely not. And that's how it works. That's how it works for all of us. See, watch how Moses' attitude has changed. The next verse after where we started, where God says, hey, you're going to go up into Mount Nebo. You're going to see the land. You don't get to go in because remember that thing back in the the rock thing? Listen Listen to his reply. Moses spoke to the Lord saying, let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, Appoint a man over the congregation who shall go out before them and come in before them, who shall lead them out and bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord may not be as sheep who have no shepherd. Jesus quoted that, by the way. Moses' response is not, are you serious? After all this time? He's like, oh, cool. Thanks that Joshua's going to take over. See how his heart is switched? And changed. And something that we don't think about Moses doing as much as he actually did is he was also a worship leader. Right back in Exodus, right after the Red Sea parted and they all got to the other side and the water went back down and all of the Egyptians got killed and all of that kind of stuff happened. Right then, Exodus 15:1, then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. As a worship song they, they kind of created on the spot. Not kind of, they did. They created this worship song on the spot and they all danced and they all sang and it was this awesome moment and he was leading them in worship. But it was all about, hey, let's all worship God because he did this one really cool thing. Here he is in Deuteronomy 32. The whole chapter almost is another worship song. And this time, his tone is a little different. Instead of just saying, hey, let's praise God for this one cool thing he just did, he's saying, hey, everybody listen. I need you to stay faithful no matter what. Because God is good. He's always good. It's not about one good thing he did. It's about that's just who he is. Listen, here's some of the lyrics of that song. And again, I hope you go back and read the whole thing yourself. But it starts out like this. Give ear, O heavens, and I will speak. Let the earth hear the words of my mouth. May my teaching drop as the rain, my speech distill as the dew, like gentle rain upon tender grass, like showers upon the herb. Hear that? He's empowering them. He's saying, I want this song to encourage you to keep going and to grow and to flourish. For I will proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe the greatness to our God. Verse four, he says this, the rock, his work is perfect. I know know he's not talking about Dwayne Johnson. (laughs) He's talking about that rock. You know what I'm talking about? Back when he hit the rock, he wasn't supposed to. He was supposed to give all the glory to God. He's saying, listen, God is the rock that's taking care of you guys. 
the rock, his work is perfect. For all his ways are justice, a God of faithfulness, without iniquity, just and upright is he. His whole view of God at this moment is just worship. He's not feeling judged. He's not feeling punished. He's not feeling like God just never forgave him. He's in awe of the goodness and the wisdom and the patience and the persistence of God. That very day, verse 48, that very day the Lord spoke to Moses, go up this mountain of the Abarim, Mount Nebo. That's when he got that message. Isn't that cool? And so chapter 33, he gives them one last blessing. Says, hey, listen, I'm out. Y'all need to keep doing this. You need to keep following God. You need to follow Joshua, your new leader. Chapter 34 is this beautiful transition, this beautiful ceremony where he hands it all off. And then he goes off into the mountains alone to be with God for his last few moments. It's actually beautiful. Do you think he wanted to go into Canaan? Yep. But he played his role effectively and he played it relentlessly until God said stop. Like Moses in the desert, I want to see the land. But like Moses in the desert, I can't fully see your plan. Still, your love doesn't stop when I see the land from a mountaintop. I don't know what kind of a Mount Nebo moment you're in this morning, but I want you to know this. God's love doesn't stop. Maybe you're facing consequences from something you did that was wrong. That sometimes happens. God's love does not stop when you see the land from the mountaintop. Maybe you're suffering because somebody else did something wrong or somebody else didn't do something right that needed done. Maybe it has nothing to do with you at all, but you're suffering and you don't see what's on the other side and you're, you're frustrated because you're not sure you're even gonna make it to where it needs to be. Let me tell you something. God's love does not stop when you see the land from the mountaintop. When we get that, when we really get it, that's when we can sing from our souls. I don't want to go if you're not going before me. I don't want to go if you're not going before me. I don't want to go if you're not going before me. I don't want to go if you're not going before me. And Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom for Moses had laid his hands on him. And so the people of Israel obeyed him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. And there has not arisen a prophet since in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. Just a quick trivia aside for you, I can't resist sometimes. That book was written a long time before the rest of the books, okay? So it's not comparing Moses to Israel or Jesus or John the Baptist or anybody. It's saying up until that point, are you with me? Whenever they finished that book, 
Just like if it says, and, and they planted a tree and you can see that tree to this day. That tree's probably not there and it doesn't mean the Bible doesn't tell the truth. It was there that day. Do you know what I'm saying? The, the book, it's an old book. Just, just throwing that out there. And today, if you go to Mount Nebo, you're going to see a sculpture, a huge sculpture that was made in honor of Moses. It's called the Brazen Serpent. Now, I want you to notice a couple of things. One, you can still see all the land of Canaan from up there. It's the Brazen Serpent. It's the thing that pointed forward to Jesus. Remember what Jesus said to Nicodemus in John 3? He said, for as Moses lifted up a snake in the wilderness, even so shall the son of man be lifted up. And if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Yeah, hallelujah. Can, it, can we see that one more time? Let's, I want you to notice, it's not a sculpture of an old broken down man going like this because God's judging him. This is the legacy of Moses. That was just the moment God said, stop. And that's where I'd like to take us these last few minutes together. Because as long as I'm here, as long as you guys are here, we've got to learn how to play our roles better than ever. That's what this is about today. See, God's grace and his love, they give us a chance and another chance and another chance and another chance to keep doing what he called us to do. But his purpose remains. And he's got an ideal role for each one of you and he expects you to play it effectively and relentlessly until he says, stop. And that's why the theme blessing thing that we've been doing this whole time says, I appeal to you therefore brothers by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable God, which is your spiritual worship. Because he wants everything. And he wants it now and he wants it tomorrow and the day after that until he says stop. And you keep on going through Romans 12. That's all those gifts that we've been talking about. Every single one of you that has the Holy Spirit has at least one of them. He says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith. By the way, that's what I'm doing right now. Prophecy in the scriptures can include predicting the future, but usually, almost always, it's just about getting you ready for whatever's next in God's plan, period. It's not about, hey, let me tell you, here's this thing that's going to happen in the future, like you're some sort of fortune teller. It's just delivering the message that God has to give. And that's what I'm doing my best to do today. And if it's effective, then it must be because of a gift of prophecy, not because I'm so great. And if it's not, don't blame God. It's probably just me. But here's the thing. When you practice the spiritual disciplines, and that may sound really weird to some of you, it may sound really familiar to others. All I'm talking about is reading the Bible, praying, fellowship, 
fasting, giving, serving, all those things that we do as Christians, when you practice those relentlessly, little by little, you're going to find his job for you. You're going to find ways where you can serve and you got that job done and then you go, you know what, I don't think that's really my niche, but good, that was a good time. I met some new friends. But eventually you're going to find some ways to serve that, that it, you go, oh, this is it. This is my gift. This is my spot. This is who I am. And then you can pursue that the rest of your life. And when you pray and when you learn and when you study and when you fellowship and when you worship and all those things, you keep at that, you're going to be shaped along the way. You're going to be a different person just like Moses at the beginning of your journey and at the end. You're going to go from somebody who's like, why do I have to do what God tells me to do? To where you can say, I don't want to go if you're not in front. That happens because you just keep at it. It happens because you present yourself daily to him as a living sacrifice. So let me give you just a couple of quick ideas about how to do that, mixing the gifts and spiritual disciplines. You guys still with me? Okay, these are just a few ideas just to get you started, okay? If you have a gift of teaching or a gift of leadership, we need some teachers and some leaders. We do a lot of Bible study and a lot of fellowship and a lot of prayer. And we, we're, we've got a bunch of groups and we're, we need so many more because I believe with all my heart, God's dream is that there's a group for everybody here at Morrison Hill. No matter what stage in life you're at or where you are or who you are, you're going to be able to find that. We're getting there. We're not there. If you've got teaching and leadership, please come talk to me. Talk to Wes. Somehow we need to get this job done. If you are have a gift of service or mercy or giving. You're just good at doing stuff. The more the word gets out that Morrison Hill is a church that actually cares about the community, the more the community's giving us stuff. Hey, could you do this? Could you do this? And we can't keep up, but all of you guys could. And if you'd be willing to just show up one time a month or something and take care of this, or hey, I'll take that job. I'll do this thing. Guess what? You would be able to do that. If you have the gift of encouragement, again, if you remember a couple weeks ago, we talked about this. All of these are things that all of us are supposed to do, but the Holy Spirit cranks up the volume in some of us, and that's just your special thing. We're all supposed to encourage each other. We're all supposed to teach each other. We're all supposed to do those things. And if you're, but some of us, you're really good at encouraging people. You're really good at hospitality. You're really good. You find joy in it. People feel welcomed if you just kind of, They feel like, oh, wow, what a welcoming, fun place. That's the Holy Spirit, okay? That's the Holy Spirit. And man, we need to expand our outreach teams. We need to expand our welcome ministry. We need to be able to handle all the visitors that come in. A couple Sundays ago, um, we had 24 first-time visitors in one Sunday. Well, no, yeah, that's, that's awesome. Hallelujah. But not all of them come back. And, and, and I think part of it is because they didn't like the preaching or whatever else. And part of it was, there's no way that we talk to all 24. But we could if all of y'all were watching all the time. Or if we had 10 or 15 people that were every single Sunday, they were like, are there any new people? Are you with me on this? 
This is how God is going to call all of us to work together. He's going to call all of us to use your gifts, all of us to do life together, all of us to reach out together, all of us to be transformed in the process. Here's one more idea. This, you'll hear more about all of these soon, but maybe your gift is giving. We all have to give some. We all have to share some. But some of you, God has given you a little bit extra to share. And some of you, even if he hasn't, you just love it anyway. And you just give and give. That's your job. Let me tell you, the holidays are a perfect time to do that. And here we are. Okay, there's the trunk or treat thing. You're all being asked for candy and stuff like that. But there's there's angel tree opportunities. There's foster kids who need stuff. There are so many things coming up. There, some of you can't give. That's okay. Play your part effectively. Play your part relentlessly. Play your part until God says stop. But those of you who are givers, let's go. This is your moment. The holiday season is upon us. Are you feeling this? Do you see how this works? It's, it's, it's when the whole body works together, there's always hope. One last time. You might feel like you're up on Mount Nebo this morning. You might see what's ahead, but you can't see any possible way that God's gonna get you there or that you could even be part of it. But I'm telling you, the the story of Mount Nebo is a story of hope. And I ask you to remember this morning that God's love does not stop when you see the land from a mountaintop. And if you've got any way at all that he's put on your heart this morning to respond to that love, would you have the courage to do it? If you want to make that public, come down here and meet me. If you want to make it private, go back to the back there and talk to my dad, pray with him. Do what you got to do, but let's all come to the mountain of the Lord together right now as we stand and sing.